on this episode of Team Building Saves the World. I think people are tired of being treated as if they are just a, a means to make money. That becomes hard, right? You might have somebody who... Is just having a bad couple of weeks. Right, yeah. Right. Doesn't mean they're going to quit, but we're looking for patterns. Are we seeing a change in rage quitting as from this perspective, from the new world yeah. order? Do you know what's interesting is that I found both answers to this. So this is not an easy fix that we're talking about. It's not, and it is. Team, it's me, your old friend Rich Rindersland, host of Team Building Saves the World, the show where I speak to the leaders and innovators in employee wellness and corporate culture and how it reflects in the world of today. And today, I don't want you to get mad, but we're talking about rage quitting with the leadership solutions partner at the Center for Creative Leadership, Allison Barr. But first, I need to share some love with my supporters at Team Bonding. If your team is ready to experience teamwork through the power of play, then visit teambonding.com to learn more. Now, team, join me in welcoming the Leadership Solutions Partner at the Center for Creative Leadership and the co-host of Lead With That Podcast, Allison Barr. All right, Allison, thank you so much for coming on board with us. It's great to have you here. Why don't we start off as we usually do? Just tell my team out there a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in this part of the industry. Sure, and thank you for the warm welcome and the the applause that I know is very real. Oh yes, it's a thousand people I keep trapped under my desk. <laughs> I don't know if that's something you want to be telling people, but I'll take it. Oh, they. <laughs> so thanks for having me. Yeah, I gosh, how did I get involved in this field? To be honest, I always knew I wanted to learn about psychology. I always knew that. And I waited about six or seven years after my undergrad to get my master's degree in psychology. And by that time, I had already been a manager ah. with training. And, and I mean, zero, zero training. <laughs> I managed approximately 30 people or so. I really enjoyed it. Had a great time. I learned a lot about business during that time. I learned a lot about management and decided that I wanted to really apply that understanding of people to the business setting. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, just something that I always thought of was if someone wants to have a successful business, it seems, it seems natural and important to have an understanding of people and teams, regardless of what level you are in the organization, it seems like it would be important to do that. So went to grad school when I was in graduate school, I worked for a retail organization that prioritized um, leadership development. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't even know that that was a thing at the time. <laughs> that. And so because I was a manager at that time as well, I was really able to apply what I was learning in my graduate program to the business as well as the leadership and development side. So fast forward a whole bunch of years, I graduated, I took a job with that same retailer in London. So I lived over in London for a bit. Nice. Focused to, my job really was to focus on new store openings, entering new markets in Europe and the Middle East. And because again, same retailer had such a heavy focus on leadership and development, I realized you can have a really great business strategy. And that's very important. Mm. Yeah, you don't have a great leadership. It's going to be pretty difficult to achieve that strategy. You can, but it might come with a cost. So now I'm back in Colorado, as you said, working for the Center for Creative Leadership. And here we are. 
So rage quitting. Now, back in the 70s, you know, being someone who was alive during that time period, I certainly remember that famous old song, Take This Job and Shove It. Um, yes. But rage, the rage quitting that I know is as a video game player in the 80s, just getting upset at your console and throwing it down and tearing the disc out of the, out of the player. What does it mean now? What are we looking at? Well, I, I think we're looking at exhaustion. I think we're looking at an evaluate or a reevaluation rather of what work means to people. Mm. And the pandemic certainly highlighted for a lot of people in the United States, at least, how much time they are spending at work. And when they're not working, they're commuting to work or when they're not commuting to work, they're, they're mentally preparing for work. Mm. And so I think a lot of people realize you know, my life is my work right now and I don't want that. And I'm exhausted and I'm tired of being a cog in the wheel, so to speak. You know, not every industry has problematic behaviors at the workplace, but a lot do. And I think people are tired of being treated as if they are just a, a means to make money. Okay. So we're talking about people who are just getting to that point where they are so fed up that they, they're literally just walking out. Yeah. That, that is what we're seeing. And of course, that's that's a that's a very high privilege to be able to do that. A lot of people sure. keep their jobs, but that's what we're hearing too, right? Is you know, people are trying so hard to make it work. And on the flip side, you're battling a pandemic that nobody had a plan for. Right. And so when you sit on a board or you're in the C-suite, you're you're also racking your brain. We did not have a plan for this. How could we? And so there's a lot of reactive behaviors going on. Right. That's accounting for that. Yeah, so we had, because last season in the podcast, we had talked about the great resignation. Yes. And how the pandemic just mm -hmm. seemed to take this thing that was slowly building and just set it ablaze. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm looking at statistics uh, from last year. Statista actually wrote 4.4 million Americans left their jobs in September alone of 2021. Right. And we're still talking about companies that can't get, you know, the, the skilled people to come in to fill those positions, um, how most of the millennials are now the major portion of the workforce, but they're the ones who are looking for more out of their careers than just mm -hmm. the paycheck. So mm -hmm. is, is rage quitting just another part of this great resignation or is this something else? I, I think it is. And I think underneath it all, it's, I think we will come out on the bright side. I think it's highlighting some things at the workplace that can be shifted and changed. And, you know, to tag on to what you said, some people do want their job to just be a paycheck. Some people are tired of the, the culture of work is life and you need to come to all of these, you know, happy hours and uh. they don't want to do that. Right. And then there's this whole push. I don't know if you've been following this. There's another push towards uh, pay equality and pay transparency. And so it's, it used to no longer be acceptable to quit a job after one or two years. And now the, I, I believe the millennial group is shifting that, you know, they have the biggest mm. share in the market right now and right. they want more money. They want pay equality. And so job jumping, I'm air quoting here, but job jumping is also becoming a thing. And so employers are also battling with that. So speaking of the employers, we have talked about a few times in the podcast now about how the finances of when somebody quits is, is remarkably expensive for any yes. organization. How do we see this coming? Is, it, is, it, is rage quitting a surprise or is this something that we can actually keep an eye out for? I think it's both. 
I do think, again, the pandemic has caused um, a quite a kerfuffle in mm. in every system in any organization, regardless of the organization. And so I don't know that we could have planned for that. I don't know that anyone could have had a blueprint for that. And I do think this trend will continue. I do think it will. I mean, last year, I think you mentioned the statistic was 6.7 million in September alone, right? And now that's, I think it's double now into 2022, the amount of people quitting. And so I think it's important now to, to start to focus on what managers and leaders can do. There right. are, of course, you know, ways to identify pre-quitting behaviors, which can be important, yeah. uh, but it's probably a good idea to focus on retention rather than giving yourself the anxiety of searching for pre-quitting behaviors. Okay. So if I'm that manager, what am I watching for? So if you're a manager, some of the behaviors, and I will say that Harvard Business Review has a great article on this too, if anyone wants to give that a Google. Great. Some things that you can, you can look at are, um, you know, maybe they've shown less interest in, in engaging in general. Um, their productivity's decreased, their communication styles decreased. They might have a shift in attitude. And of course, all of these things can be subjective and that that becomes hard, right? You might have somebody who is just having a bad couple of weeks. Right, yeah. Right. Doesn't mean they're gonna quit, but we're looking for patterns, right? And severe changes. Like maybe they're calling calling off regularly um, and not responding like they used to and showing less interest in work. If somebody has a you know, leads a team with customers where there's a client facing team, mm. if they're interacting with, with customers and clients and maybe a negative way where they haven't before, that would be a sign as well. Leaving early more frequently, shutting down more frequently early. Mm. That's, those are all signs. Okay. What are some of the causes though that we're seeing of it? I mean, we know that we have a lot of different indicators with the pandemic. <laughs> But to actually get to the point where you're just ready to get up and walk out, that seems it seems an extreme reaction. And first of all, is it an extreme it reaction? It is. It is an extreme reaction. And again, like, you know, we need money to survive, right? Like sure. we can just be honest about that. So to be pushed to that, to that type of level, I think is extreme. And so I think one thing that's interesting to mention is that. Workplace retaliation cases and discrimination have increased dramatically over the past two years. So that's something to keep an eye on. And one thing I want to underline there is that, you know, there are other means to report those types of things that you and I will never see because a lot of times those types of um, cases are handled very privately. Mm. So EEOC can only tell us so much, right? And I think it is over, I think it's overwork being asked to work one or two roles that's very common for employers right now to say something like, you know, Rich, we need you to take on some of Susan's work because Susan quit. <laughs> sure. Sword, right. So it's like you're taking on additional work. Um, a lot of people are saying when my manager doesn't trust me, it creates a whole host of problems for me and I feel micromanaged and that's enough for me to rage quit. I don't want to be micromanaged. I don't want to feel like I am being babysat. Hmm. That's enough for me to rage quit. Mm hmm. Um, so it's a lack of trust and micromanagement. And unfortunately, a lot of these discriminatory and retaliatory behaviors in the workplace are causing that. Is there something other than management that's actually, because what, you're, what I'm hearing is this is a lot of management versus employee. I mean, it can be. You know, sometimes if we're talking about those retaliation and discrimination cases, that can happen at any level. Okay. And I think, 
even your frontline managers or your middle managers, you know, they sit in the middle of the organization. They've got a tough role because they're fielding information from all sides of the coin. Sometimes there's only so much they can share. And so I think, is it just a management problem? Not necessarily. I think it can be a structural problem just in general, right? Like, you know, upper management needs to look at how they're communicating information and how they're handling requests from employees that sound something like, you know, hey, Rich, I need to confide in you and I feel like I'm being micromanaged. Can you help me? They need to take those things seriously. And I think oftentimes we don't. All right. Well, if you don't mind, I know being an old hat at this, you you know what a live read is. So let me step away just for a quick second here. Because I do, as always, need to tell my team out there about a company I'm so proud to be a part of, Team Bonding. Team Bonding was founded over 20 years ago with one simple question. How can employees have a great time while fostering strong, authentic bonds between people who work together? They've created a catalog of innovative events using the power of play as a learning tool and tapping into the correlation of work and play. From scavenger hunts to Jeopardy and so much more, the team bonding of activities, whether live, virtual, or hybrid, maximizes the impact of team building with an accent on fun. So visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Team bonding, when you want seriously fun results. And we are back with Allison Barr. Allison, we're talking about rage quitting. How do we solve it? What's the solution? I mean, how can we keep these employees in the seats? What are they looking for and what is management willing to give them nowadays? So I think it's a matter of understanding the balance of people in process, right? You have human beings who run an organization and then you have your processes and your structures within the organization. Mm. And what is very common for leadership at any level is to overfocus on the process. Because if I'm a leader, I want to make sure that I know and I understand the processes and those are within my control, right? They're delegated to me. They're most of the time on paper. They're a bit easier to structure. Okay. And people side becomes a little bit more complicated because people are complex. And so for most organizations, for most leaders, there needs to be a shift or a balance to balancing out those people and process sides. And I can suggest that one tool that I frequently use is research by a gentleman named Dr. Fred Morgison. He's out of Michigan, and um, he has a lot of really interesting information on the people side. This researcher states is that there are three pillars that you need to focus on in order for your teams to be performing at the workplace. And it's really quite simple. A lot of managers, again, regardless of leader level, can use it as a diagnostic tool. So if things seem to be going south and you notice that some of your employees are, um, you know, showing you some of those pre-quitting behaviors, you can have a look at these three pillars. So they include planning, which is planning, right? The understanding of our goals. What are we trying to achieve together? What are our objectives? Who's responsible for what? Between the three of us on this call right now, who's doing what? And being very clear about that. Right. The second pillar is execution. So communicating that plan and communicating it very clearly. Oftentimes, this means over-communicating. This is where collaboration happens. And this is where a leader or a manager needs to monitor the progress and make sure that we're on track, right? Um, The last one is interpersonal, and this includes trust, psychological safety, motivation, conflict resolution. So planning, execution, interpersonal. 
And do you want to guess which one of those is most often neglected if you had to guess? Oh, I'm going to take a shot at number three. <laughs> yes, good guess. Um, so yeah, there's the interpersonal is often neglected because it's not as straightforward, right? And yeah. there is an assumption, an okay assumption, that employees will show up to work and put interpersonal needs, you know, aside because we're human, we should know how to do that, right? We mm. should be able to come to work and we should know how, how to do that. And we're humans, right? Conflict's inevitable. It's going to happen right. anytime you have more than one person. You might disagree, and that's very normal. So uh, it's very, very important to focus on that last one. Okay, and how do we do so? I mean, what, <laughs> what are some things we can do? Yeah, I knew you were going to ask that. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> really, in any working relationship, regardless, again, of the leader level, regardless of the people, you have to have trust, and you have to have a manager who listens, and I mean actively listens. Mm. So rather than listening from a place of me wanting to tell you what I think about what you just said, mm -hmm. it is really listening from a place of understanding and creating a culture where feedback is normalized. And so a lot of that's around communication. And again, what can become tricky about that is that trust is, you know, a non-measurable trust is built and right. broken behaviorally. And so right. something that breaks my trust might not break yours. So it's tricky. Um, so developing that culture of feedback is absolutely crucial in that active listening piece. Plus, you're talking about in, a, in any given marketplace, while we say that, of course, the millennials are the ones who are pushing it most now, you still yeah. have up to five generations working under one roof. So, right. And even within those generations, you're going to have people whose needs are very different. Absolutely. So this is not an easy fix that we're talking about. It's not, and it is. It's not, and it is. I know okay. that's very like a very consultant answer to give you, but <laughs> <laughs> it is, right? It's a change in behavior, and change in behaviors can be hard. However, if you be start to become really keened into it, and I would say for two weeks, like if you're listening, give yourself two weeks and maybe just focus on that active listening piece and see what shifts for you. These are things that will develop over time. It's not going to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. We're not going to solve the great resignation overnight. We're sure. not going to solve rage quitting either. <laughs> However, if, if you have one-on-ones with your team, again, regardless, you could be a CEO or a frontline leader, anywhere in between. People want to be heard and people want to be taken seriously. That that stuff does not go out the window just because we're at the workplace. So that'd be my, my offering, right? It takes two weeks to solidify a new behavior. So for two weeks, just try that active listening piece. See what happens. Try asking for feedback. See what happens. Okay. And so are you talking about that from the employee side or from the management side? Management side. Okay. What about the employee themselves? Let us say that I'm an employee now who is... Every day when I'm coming to work, I'm getting that, you know, that last bit of straw on the camel's back. I'm closer and closer and closer. What can I look out for, for myself, to help mitigate my own circumstances? Yeah, that's a great question. And this this really depends on circumstance. And I, want, I really want to highlight that because there are some workplaces mm. who very much do not allow for open conversations. And that is a cultural thing. Mm may not be fixed, right? Culture can be difficult to fix. It has to start from the top. And so for some people, it, it might be a big threat to their livelihood to speak up about their experience. However, 
if you're an employee and you're you're close to your wits end, right? Yeah. And you work. Some people really like their work. They don't want to quit. And you like your work. Learn how to speak objectively and learn how to speak from I. So it's very different for me to say to you, Rich, if you're my boss, for me mm-hmm. to say, like, like, I am so unhappy in my job and the way that you are micromanaging me is driving me crazy versus hey, I really like my work here, Rich. And I'm wondering if we could get to a point where you trust me a little bit more and you're not checking in with me every day, right? Like, what would that look like? And what do you need me to do differently in order for that to happen? That's very different than saying, your style of leadership is not working for me, Rich, and I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. Response is going to be very different as my boss. Well, that's going to help with that psychological stability, do you think? The the feeling that they can actually openly communicate like that? Absolutely. Okay. And, and you know, I don't want to guarantee it because this sure. is a, it depends on the recipient. But a lot of times people get put on the defense when they feel as if they're being blamed. And sometimes there is blame to be had, but you need to find a way to solve for that in a collaborative manner. And that means stating things in an objective and factual way. Yesterday, when you stood behind me and looked over my shoulder and corrected five of my mistakes, mm. I really uncomfortable what what would it look like for you to trust me to do this on my own that's solution oriented okay let's stay on the side of the employee now for a second if you don't mind i i've gotten to the point where nothing is going to fix it nothing is going to repair my feelings about the work that i'm doing for this company what is honestly the best way to make sure i get out with dignity but also with my career not being forever marred. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of organizations will do exit interviews. Not all of them, surprisingly, a lot yeah. will. And so I think it's important to note that employers use those exit interviews to look at themes, right? To look at red flags, to look at turnover costs, that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so it really depends on your reasoning for leaving. If your reason for leaving is, for example, I am micromanaged every minute of my day, because that does cause people to quit, by the way. Sure. Um, it, it might You might say something in a diplomatic way, such as, you know, I would love to have had more autonomy in my role. I would have loved to have more um, trust and independence to um, contribute to the organization with my skills and talents. That way, people can read between the lines, right? <laughs> okay. You want your message to be heard and received. And the moment we say something like, Johnny was a horrible micromanager, people will be put on the defense, period. No matter who it is, people will be put on the defense because they still work at that organization. Mm. So you state things in a way that are diplomatic, that people will feel comfortable to, to reach out to you and recommend you. And in a way that your message is still heard, but it's not full of blame. Here's what I would have liked. I would have liked to feel, you know, I would have liked to have more autonomy in my job, for example. Okay. All right. Now, when we had uh, first started talking about all of this, before we came onto the podcast itself, you had mentioned about control. How much of this is honestly within an employer's control and how much of it isn't? I think a lot of it is. So for some people, you know, if you're looking at finances and pay, that gets tricky. You have to understand an organization from the big picture, right? Like organizations do their budgeting a year in advance, sometimes a year in advance. So sometimes the pay itself can become tricky if that's your reason for leaving. But all the other things generally are around interpersonal behaviors. 
People underestimate the power of the, the soft skills, which I don't love that term. Um, but I do think a lot of it comes down to looking at myself as a manager or a leader and what am I bringing to my team and being very honest about that. I do think it's in, within the control. If you can start to ask your teams for feedback, what do we need more of? What do we need less of? Um, what can I start, stop, and continue? And you might have to say no to some of those things. However, you're opening the door to your teams to have a voice, and a lot of people need that. What about on a more, let's look at those businesses that turnover is a part of the job. I mean, we, we were all kids at one age, you know, one, one time in our lives. We've all had the, you know, gas pumper job, the, you know, the, the, the fry slinger job. It seems to be built in, especially when you're working with a younger crowd. What can they do? Because as we're understanding with the great resignation, those jobs are not being filled by anyone. So is there anything that they can do or that they're starting to do? Yeah, so I can speak to a local company here that we've been working with that is a chain of restaurants. And of course, restaurant the restaurant industry has been hit very, very hard. And they have Indeed. high turnover anyhow. So they've been hit very hard. Some of those roles are not being filled. And so what those types of organizations can look at are hours, you know, like what kind of hours am I giving my people? Am I expecting people to work 12-hour shifts? Mm -hmm. Am I paying overtime? Um, am I giving people the time off that they need, right? So the restaurant industry and even like the gas industry, um, convenience shops, those types of things. When you have uh, a part-time employees that are not salaried, sometimes filling shifts can become very difficult. You might ask for time off and I can say, I can give you Monday, Tuesday, but not Wednesday off, right? Because we don't have anyone to fill that shift. It is ensuring that your processes and your policies are in place for people to call in sick, mm. uh, people to have vacation, time time off as they deserve, right? right. I think a, a lot of those types of industries need to get have a hard look at their policies and procedures to ensure that people can have a healthy, healthy lives. And of course, that builds over, and all the industries should honestly be looking at life from that perspective as well. Absolutely. But as you may or may not know, you know, some of those smaller like retail, restaurant, convenience store, those types of industries, it's not uncommon for employers to say, I need you to work a double shift, right? Like, right. I need you, I'll give you 30 minutes off in the middle. There's got to be a way that we can hire enough people to have all your bases covered, right? It might look like having an on-call policy, mm. but making sure that your ducks are in a row to get ahead of those hiccups that inevitably are going to happen. Is there a, a counter side to that coin, though? Are we worried that if we have too many people that now you're starting to lose people through the gaps? Could be, right? Yeah, it is about that balance and depends on the organization's needs or the business's needs. But I think having on call, having an on call option for people can be can be really helpful to yeah. ensure that you're not spending too much on your employee, right? Like you're not overspending budget on hiring people. Mm -hmm. Have an on call or an you know some sort of like adjunct policy where it is like, Rich, I'll call you by noon on Tuesday or 11 a.m. if I need you to come in at 4 p.m. for the closing shift. That way, again, like, you know, you're very clear on what's right. going to happen. Right. If you don't hear from me by 11, then you are fine, right? But those industries, people are feeling overworked dramatically and underpaid dramatically. Mm -hmm. 
And unfortunately, in those industries, there's not a there's there's not a lot we can do right in this moment in terms of pay. Right. Let's look now because the world has moved largely virtual, or some mm. hybrid thereof. Yes. Are we seeing it? Are we seeing a change in rage quitting as from this perspective, from the new world yeah. order? Do you know what's interesting is that I found both answers to this. I found both answers. So for some. The hybrid or the at-home workplace is is a wonderful solution. It's allowing for people to save two hours of commuting, mm-hmm. or um, you know, ensure that they can feed their dog at their lunch break or whatever it might be. Right? It can lessen stress for a lot of people. Okay. On the flip side, I was listening to a podcast, uh, the Wall Street Journal podcast, and they were interviewing a handful of management consultants. That's a specific industry. Mm -hmm. However, these management consultants were saying, I had no idea how much time I was actually working. I had no idea that I was working from 5 a.m. until sometimes 11 p.m. It just didn't occur to me. And so I think it's doing a little bit of both. It depends. Okay. I think a lot of people are very grateful to have hybrid or virtual work. We also know nowadays, we, we're hearing a lot about the millennial generation. They don't just care about their personal job. They care about the company that they're coming into. They have the full, yes. the full culture. Knowing that a lot of these things cost money, as the higher management who are just hearing about people quitting left, right, and center, what kind of things can we start instituting that might keep those people who haven't left yet so did you say as the hiring manager, did I hear you right? Sure. Yeah. Well, the higher ups, the, the higher oh, the up higher management. Ups. Gosh, there's a lot. So I would say one of the first things that they can do and should do is have what I, what I will refer to as a listening session. And I've already mentioned um, this act, this notion of active listening. I cannot, mm. I cannot underline it enough. People want to be heard. And so a listening session could sound like, Over the course of the next three months, our CEO is going to do uh, a one-hour listening session. You can sign up for one, right? Here are your options. And you give a a variety of options because people are in different time zones and different varying responsibilities. And so during that time, you know, the CEO or somebody in senior leadership can say, you know, we're we're hearing some concerns or we're noticing the great resignation. What, What do you want more of? Like... Let's have a conversation about it. You will need to have somebody to facilitate, right? You will need to have a powerful facilitator to be able to set up at the very beginning. You need to set up rules and norms of engagement, right? Okay. Otherwise, it could be a free-for-all. But I would absolutely recommend doing that. And your facilitator would then take notes of themes. People want to be heard. And then after those listening sessions, you would follow up with, here are the themes that we heard, and here are some of our thoughts for next steps. For the employer, you're not going to solve everything. It's going to be impossible, right? You need to start with what people want. And for the most part, people aren't asking for for much, right? Like you might hear, I would like to be able to take time off in the middle of the day and I'll work till 8 p.m. instead, but I would like to have two hours in the middle of the day for X, Y, Z. In a lot of organizations, not all of them, but that's doable, right? So I think you'd be surprised to hear what people want. And then 
you know, when you go to recruit new people, then you'll be able to touch on those things because, you know, some of, some of your millennials and Gen Z and Gen X even are going to ask those questions, right? Like, what are you doing for work-life balance? Like, what's the culture of your company like? Can you give me an example? I'm providing those examples of a connection mm. between senior leadership and the rest of the organization will be important. Allison, thank you again for sharing you. your expertise with us on this. It's a fantastic subject. I have, from my very earliest memories, had it beaten into me by my, not physically, but mentally, beaten into me by my parents as I was coming up and starting to get work. You never just quit. No matter how bad it is, you don't just walk away. You give your two weeks, so on, so forth. So it's fascinating to me to hear that this is becoming more and more, uh, not so much a trend, but a, but an occurrence. Right. Mm. Yeah. It's and, and hopefully we'll normalize here soon, right? I do think we're we're at the starting to get to the peak of it. So hopefully right. we'll normalize here soon. That's that's what they've been saying about a lot of things the last couple of I years. Know. Let's, <laughs> I know. let's hope. <laughs> All Fingers right. Crossed. Once again, my team, please give a big round of applause for Allison Barr. You are fantastic, Allison. Thank you. And I hope you're ready now because. I'm ready. Yep, you know what it is. It's time for my speed round. All right, Allison, this is very simple. All it's going to be for the next 60 seconds, you're going to be hearing some music that's going to be playing. That's how I keep track of the time. In that time, I am going to be actually going through a series of innocuous questions. Your objective is to try to answer them as quickly as you can. Stream of consciousness, first thing off the top of your head, as you are the first guest of season three, you have some luck because you're setting the bar for everyone else. Okay. We're going to call it the Allison Bar. Oh, boy. Or the Allison Bar Bar, whichever way we want to go with it. It could be fun. All right. So if you're ready, my friend, let's listen for the music and the questions will begin. What's your name? Allison. How many kids do you have? Zero. Tell me something you remember from kindergarten. Oh, I brought my stuffed animal sleepy to, nice. to playtime. How would you describe this podcast to your friends? This experience? Fun. fun. Nice. What was your favorite toy growing up? Animal Herald. <laughs> okay, who would you call the world's greatest musician? Anyone in Led Zeppelin. Anyone. Awesome. Would you rather live for a week in the past or the future? Future. If you could be any cartoon character for a day, who would you be? Wonder Woman. Nice. Okay, tell me one choice in your life you regret. Not staying in London longer. And your favorite holiday is? Thanksgiving. And there we go. Allison, 10. A ah. respectable 10. Respectable 10. Indeed. That's a good way to start. All right. right, Allison. Once again, thank you again so much for coming on board. We hope to hear from you again soon. Maybe if this thing starts to level off, we'll actually come back and we can explain why. I would love that, yes. Thank you again. And thank you, everyone out there. That's it, my team. We have put to bed the first episode of Season 3 of Team Building Saves the World. If you've enjoyed this episode, whether you're new to the podcast or an old fan of the show, please be sure to share this podcast with everyone you know, whether they're your coworker, friend, or family. It'll help us to share all of this vital information. 
You can find out all about us, including all past episodes of the podcast, at teambonding.com forward slash podcast. You can also find us wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Wherever you go to listen, we will be there. Don't forget to look for us on all the social medias at Team Bond Podcast. And leave us a message telling me whether you like the show or if you have an idea for a future topic on the podcast. We want to hear from you. And if I like your comment, I may even mention it on a future episode. But before we say our final farewells for this, the first episode of Season 3 of Team Building Saves the World, never forget that if you are within the sound of my voice, you are on my team now, and I am forever going to be on yours. So long, team, and I'll see you next time. said that you learn more about a person in an hour of play than in a year of conversation. So why not put your co-workers to play with the help of the team at Team Bonding? Team Bonding was founded over 20 years ago with one simple question. How can employees have a great time while fostering strong, authentic bonds between people who work together? Their catalog of innovative events includes scavenger hunts, Jeopardy, and much more. Each activity, whether live, virtual, or hybrid, maximizes the impact of team building with an accent on fun. Visit teambonding.com to schedule your event now. Team Bonding, when you want seriously fun results.